0: This week in Thessalonians, have you ever asked yourself the question, what happens after our time on earth is finished? Paul teaches the Thessalonians, and each of us, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. Please open your Bibles and your hearts as we continue our series, Thessalonians. Alright, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, if you knew new with us, we've been in a series called Thessalonians, the first two weeks uh, we really talked about community. Paul's writing a letter to the church in Thessalonia. It's called the Church of Thessalonica, and he's writing this letter because Paul uh, he he came to Jesus. He was actually one of the religious leaders. Uh, he was very very harsh on the church. He was one of the uh, people that had Stephen stoned in the scriptures. You'll see that in, in Acts. Um, and Paul came to a point where he received Christ. Actually, Christ talked to him verbally from the clouds. I mean, he spoke audibly. and not only he heard it, but the people that were with him were heard it, and he blinded Paul uh purposely because he was a he was a very uh aggressive man when it came to the church, and so he was blinded for a season uh, and then when he went and, and got discipled and really received salvation, God opened his eyes again and ever since then Paul has been on a on an amazing mission to plant churches. And this is what Jesus told him. Paul, I want you to plant churches in the cities and Gentile cities and cities outside of Jerusalem. Uh, he was a Jew. Paul was a Jew. So he understood the Jewish culture. He understood uh, Jewish teaching. He knew the Old Testament really well. Uh, but he was also one of those guys that kind of preached, but didn't live it. So he would preach the scriptures of God, but then he would really uh, be very, very harsh, especially on Christians. And so, uh, so Paul met Jesus, had a, had a transformation, gave his heart to the Lord, began, actually being the church instead of persecuting the church. Then he became the church, and he planted on a second missionary journey a church in Thessalonica, and that's where we get the book of Thessalonians. Thessalonians was written to a church of Thessalonica. Now Paul, uh, he was there on a second journey. He planted the church, but then he he kept uh, continuing his mission. He's actually writing the letter from Corinth, to the church of Thessalonica. And so he doesn't have Facebook or Twitter or those kind of things. So he, he literally would handwrite a letter and send it through his disciples to the church. And sometimes, if you've never read the Bible, actually the New Testament, uh, there's the Gospels and then there's the Epistles. Uh, there's the Gospels and the Acts of the disciples. And and then you read the Epistles. Now, all, most of the Epistles are written by Paul. 80% of your New Testament's written by Paul. And uh, he's writing to churches. Corinthians is written to the church of Corinth. Philippians is written to the church of Philippi. Uh, Thessalonians written to the church of Thessalonica. So you see he's writing his letters as the apostle of the church, encouraging them, sometimes correcting them, many times correcting them, or he's bringing truth uh, to whatever's being spoken in the culture. He's really helping the church in these moments. Uh, and that's where we're at in the church in Thessalonians. and Thessalonians. And the first two weeks we really talked about community, how important it was for that godly wisdom, that godly counsel from Paul to the church, but also how important it is from Paul that the church, that their faith and their love and, and what they're doing, how much it encouraged Paul. Paul. Uh, so that community, the church, the body, us being united together through Christ is so important. And we covered that in the first two weeks. So If you missed those, you can catch those online on our website at westridge.cc. They're free to download or stream or, you know, uh, however you want to watch those or, or audio, whatever you like. Uh, but you can catch up with us there. But today we're going to talk about something that is uh, so powerful. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, there's uh, there's a lot of different religions out there. And so when I, when I came to the Lord, one of my struggles was, is how do you know which one's right? And so I went through a season of really studying different religions, uh, and really looking at them. And a lot of them really, uh, logically checked themselves out for me. Uh, when, when you look at like Buddhism and Hinduism and, and all of those, they really just didn't make sense to me. I didn't want to come back as a cow or a tree or anything like that. I would just rather prefer not do that. Um, but, for me, that there were some logical things that just didn't line up, and it just didn't seem natural. And uh, so, uh, anyway, so I started studying uh, is you know Islam and Judaism and Christianity were the three that really were were pretty close, but had a lot a lot of differences. But the major difference between those three is Jesus. Uh, really, that's the separator between Christianity, Judaism, and Islam is Jesus. And what I found in Christ was is that he was so uh, a he re- he rose from the dead. Nobody else can claim that. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that you read in religion, but Jesus separates himself in so many ways, and what he says comes true. And so that's really why I found myself as I grew in my relationship with Christ is, uh, here's a guy that he never sinned. Everything I read about him is powerful. Uh, he, he's a man. He is God, but he's also came down as a man and lived like us and did it right. He didn't mess it up. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I can't say that. Uh, you can't either, by the way. But none of us can say that, right? Uh, but I see that Jesus, I see that he's doing miracles. He's doing all these great things. There's nobody in history that has done what Jesus has done as a man. And then on top of that, as God, to see him do even more and the way he blesses each one of us uh, really transformed me. And like Paul, I had a conversion moment as well. Uh, so in, Thessalonica, or in Thessalonians, Paul's actually talking to the Thessalonians, and he's really telling them about an important topic. But what I want you to know is, what I want you to have hope, and if if you're a believer here today, uh, you're with me, but if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus, maybe you're here for whatever, someone brought you, someone dragged you here. Uh, maybe you're here just because life stinks right now, and you feel like you need to be in church. You don't know why, but you're here. Uh, there's purpose and, and meaning for that, but I want you to know uh, that Christianity is the only religion you're going to hear uh, teaching like this. This is the only place, this is the only book, and the Bible's not just a book. It's not like a novel that you read today that you pick up at Barnes and Noble, uh, that many of us don't do that anymore. We, we read on Kindles and all that other kind of stuff or audiobooks, but, um, but the Bible is alive. This book is alive. It never stops. The Holy Spirit keeps revealing through the scriptures Christ and his heart and his life, and it, it just really is powerful. And I know many of you have this testimony where you've read a scripture and at one time in your life, it meant something, and at another time in your life, it meant even more. But it's the same scripture, but it came alive in a different way. The truth is still the same, but it really touched you in a different way. And this is what the Bible, this is what Jesus does. It's his word, and this is what he does through his word. Now, the the main thing that Jesus talks about, that no other religion talks about, no other religious leader talks about, is this. What happens after death? Not only, uh, and that's an important question, I think we all have that question, but the one thing that Jesus really speaks about is how you can be saved. And every other religion is based on works, yet no other religion can tell you how many works you have to do to gain salvation. And yet all those other religions, you can't really have salvation because you never know. You're really dependent on a man to tell you what you think, and then it always keeps changing, The, the bar keeps moving. Jesus is the only one who says, this is how you're saved. It's only through me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way to have eternal life except through Christ. And he said, I'll prove it to you. You'll kill me. You'll hang me on a tree. I'll die. You'll put me in a grave for three days. And then I'll get up again. Not only will I get up again, but I'm going to appear to you. For 40 days, he appeared not just to the disciples, but to thousands of people, the people that hated him. He appeared to them. And then he ascended. Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. And then he ascended into heaven after 40 days, and he's ruling in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And when he got to heaven, when he got to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit to those who believe. He sent his Spirit to us. And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. Listen, this is the only place you're going to find truths like that. This is the only person. Jesus is the only God that will give you such fundamental truths. And he doesn't just stop there. There's things that haven't happened yet. There's questions that you might have. Well, how do I know that I'm saved? Well, Jesus tells you, it's only through me. It's by being a follower of Christ. Not just word, not trickery, not trying to sneak your way in. That's not what it's about. Jesus won't be fooled. But you will be a follower of Christ. He's the Lord, and we will follow him. Jesus says, I'll know you love me because you'll follow my teachings. This isn't legalism. This is life. God's word is a blessing. It's not a hindrance. It really is good to us. And so Jesus says, you know what, guys? There's going to be some things. And by the way, Paul's teaching the Thessalonians, but this isn't the first time it's been taught. Jesus taught these truths when he was on earth. And Matthew, I believe it's 24 and many other chapters in the gospel, he said, look, I'm going to come again. I'm going to be in heaven for a time, and then I'm going to come again. Now, when he comes, none of us know the time or the hour of the day, but the truth is that he will come again. And he says, when I come, this is what's going to happen. See, there's no other religion that you'll find this kind of truth in. And Jesus then begins to tell us, not only what the times will look like, not only what the seasons will look like, but he'll also say, this is what it's going to sound like, this is what it's going to look like, and here's what's going to happen. Don't you want to know that? I do. I'm sure glad for the ten of you that do. But here's what Paul said. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. He said, listen, and this is my first point today. I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, he doesn't say it in a mean or condescending way. Here's what he's saying. I need you to know these things, another translation says. Another translation says it this way. I want to make sure that you understand the truth that Jesus spoke to us. Paul found it so important. In fact, Thessalonians is the—he uh, mentions the second coming of Christ in every epistle he writes. But the, or first and second Thessalonians, he writes about it six times. You're going to see a, a lot right here, but we're going to talk about it today. He says, "I don't want you to be ignorant. I want to make sure that you understand what Jesus said. You need to know these truths, Church of Thessalonica. You need to know these church these truths, Westridge." And he documents them and he writes them down. Here's what he says. Let's read them together. Starting in verse 13, he says, "I don't want you to be ignorant." brethren concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope now listen paul is saying look i want you to know something that there's something after you leave this earth i want you to know something about what happens after how many of you guys have asked that question maybe before you knew christ you wondered what happens when we die okay If you're a believer, you need to know something. You never die. If you're not a believer, you will die. And so Paul's saying, I need you to understand, church, what Jesus said. I need you to understand these truths. And I want you not to forget them. And by the way, there's so much hope in what I'm about to tell you. Those that don't believe in Jesus can't have this kind of hope. But you can. And so this is so encouraging and uplifting. I can hear a pin drop. Those are always good moments, right? That means you're ready to, to hear it. But what I want you to also see is that Paul doesn't write in like a futuristic tense of uh, this will happen someday, but you know we'll never see it. Paul actually writes, I'm living each day because it could be today. Paul writes, look, hey, we we could be the ones that see Christ. And he wrote that way in every epistle. He didn't write in the sense of, hey, 2,019 years from now, Christ will come. He didn't say that. He said, I keep living for Christ every day because he could return any moment of any second of every day. And I think that's a phenomenal perspective for us all to live in. We don't wait for the opportunity that when Christ comes, then I'll make a choice. We're ready now. We're living for Christ now. And he can come at any moment. Look, I told you last week, I hope I get to get this message, but if he comes, if he came before Sunday, I'll see you up there. But I love his perspective. And Paul, he writes, it's so important that we know these truths, but it's also so important that you know the mission that God's called you on. He said, I don't want you to know these things just to know these things. I want you to know these things because we have a limited window until he returns. And when he returns... We're beginning eternity, but when he returns, there's also going to be a sequence of things that happen, which he said and he promised. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to make sure that you know. I could spend a whole year on this series, by the way, and so I'm only going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and chapter 5. There's a lot more scriptures I can give to you in Revelation and Matthew and Daniel and uh, all 66 books of the Bible. We can go through all of them, okay? Uh, but we're just going to focus on what Paul says in First Thessalonians 4. And I believe you'll walk out of here encouraged. And I believe for those of you that maybe aren't following Christ today, I believe this may give you hope and look at Jesus and see him differently today. In fact, I pray today is the day of salvation for you. Like you, I sat in these seats, and I didn't know Jesus, but I met him right here in this room. And you can too. And I I pray these truths and this message that you're going to hear today, what you see in Thessalonians chapter 4 will lead you to a relationship with Christ because there's so much hope, there's so much joy, there's so much goodness in what God wants to do in you. So Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And he talks about people who fall asleep. Now, maybe in your translation it says people who died. But what about those that are asleep? That's my second point. What about those that are asleep? So what happens after this life on earth is over? What really happens? Well, let's read what Paul says. Starting, uh, first of all, I need you to know that he's talking about, when he talks about those that are asleep, he's not talking about our spirit. He's actually talking about our physical bodies. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, Paul also wrote this book. This is to the church of Corinth. Here's what he says. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. There's many scriptures I can give you, but let me just tell you this. The Bible says this, as believers, you'll never die. That's the promise. You'll never die. Now, we all worry and fear death, but the truth is you're never going to die. The moment you're done here, you're in the presence of Jesus. Your spirit automatically goes to Christ. There's no purgatory, another message. I'm just telling you. Many of you come from a Catholic background. There's no purgatory. You won't find it in the Bible. You go immediately from earth, your spirit goes immediately from here to a Christ. There's no death. Now, your body, what happens to your body? Well, some of us will bury it. Some of you may want to have it burned. Some, we don't know. Maybe they were on an abandoned ship and it went under. We don't know where the body went. Some, Martyrs, beheaded, we don't know what happened to them. So then what happens? Paul says this in First Thessalonians chapter four, starting in verse 14. Let's read it together. I'm going to read out of two different translations. Let me read it to you first. I like the idea that your body's asleep because, because it means for a season it's resting. but then the miraculous will happen. So kind of look at these verses from this perspective, and then I'll read it out in another translation that helps you. Verse 14 says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, And the dead in Christ will rise. Everyone say, verse. Let's stop there for a second. So what happens to those that are asleep? Let me read this out of another translation. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, first the believers who died will rise from their graves. Let me show you another shadow, or let me show you another promise from Jesus. When Jesus rose from the dead and they went to the tomb, where was the body? Where was the body? Gone, wasn't it? They went in expecting to see a dead body. And they went into the tomb and the body was gone. And then Jesus resurrected. Was his body different? Yes, it was a glorious body. It was different. But could they recognize it? Absolutely. Jesus said, put your hand in the... Come on, disciples, put it there. Thomas, put it there. So they recognized Jesus but the body was different. There was, a, there was a glory to it that was different. But he resurrected, and Jesus is God, and appeared to them as God as a resurrected body. And so in the same way, when our time on earth is finished, your spirit will be with God, and your body will remain. It will remain asleep. But miraculously, when Jesus returns, miraculously... Those that were asleep, those that are alive on Christ will remain. But those that have passed, those bodies that are laying in the grave, imagine that. How many bodies are all over the universe right now, all over the world, in tombs that have been burned in the bottom of the ocean, right? When I, Last year, my uncle passed away, and uh, he he was cremated. And we took his ashes, uh, and there was a place that meant a lot to our family. We took him there. This Russell Island, it's Russell Ions up in Michigan. And we took his ashes, and we spread them all over the water. Now, I don't know where those ashes went. Fish could have ate them. They could have went to the bottom. The wind could have taken them. I don't know where they went. But let me tell you something. God is so powerful and so miraculous that he has the ability to take whatever happened to our bodies, he can bring them all back together. All the pieces can come back together. There's, you know, there's a there's that verse in Ezekiel that says, all the bones, bone to bone will come together. The dead will come to life. And when Jesus comes, it says he'll come. And I don't want us to focus on how crazy it's going to be because all the graves are going to start resurrecting. But I want you to think about this. When Jesus comes, when he comes, he's going to speak from heaven. He's going to command in his own voice. There's going to be an archangel. There's going to be a trumpet blast. And you are going to know the trumpet blast. Trust me. Not only you. Everybody all over the world is going to know the blast that Jesus is talking about. Everybody. We will all hear it. Now, I went to Toby Mac. They were blasting some trumpets last night. And they were loud, but nothing compared to what Jesus is going to do from heaven. I mean, it's going to be knowable. It's going to be understandable. And not only that, in fact, I put this on the screens for you because I thought this was, uh, when we think about Jesus, because he's the head and we're the Think about this. When the head returns, when Jesus Christ, God, the Lord, when the head returns and he speaks to the body, every body moves. Everything moves. Everything that's his moves. The dead, the alive, all of it obeys immediately, instantly, miraculously. All the particles come together. The bones come together. Those lost at sea come together. The martyred, the beheaded, do you think you're going to be in heaven with no head? Absolutely not. It's coming back together. And Jesus says you're blessed for being persecuted, by the way. Isn't that going to be crazy? Doesn't that excite you? Come on. You get more excited than that. You get more excited than that when the Steelers carry a piece of leather over the touchdown, and, that's, and then they lose by two. I mean, we're talking about a miraculous God saying, come, and everything comes. Imagine the media. Imagine the media. Imagine the coverage. Hey, I'm at this cemetery over here. What are you seeing over there? Same thing. Things are getting up right now. It's kind of crazy. That'll be good coverage. I'm tired of the bad coverage. Let me see the bodies get up out of the grave. The ones that have been buried since 1800s, 1700s. Let me see Moses get up. Let me see Abraham get up. Let me see all of these bodies of all of the believers from past get up. Can you imagine what that looks like? Oh, man. Whether you believe or not, you're going to see some crazy stuff. God is going to come. Look, and it's all about him. Whatever he says happens. That's why I came to the Lord. That man said he'd get up, and he got up. And it'd be one thing if just Jesus said it and nobody saw him. And it'd be one thing if just a disciple saw him. But those that hated him saw him and they wrote about it. For me, as an unbeliever, I'm like, well, why would an enemy write about a guy getting up that they didn't want him to get up? But they did. Because God is God. So what happens when you fall asleep? There's going to be a time when Jesus comes. And that dead body that's in the ground. And I say dead because your spirit's alive. You're alive. But the flesh, the tent, is dead. And just like Christ resurrected, you will resurrect. And that body's going to get up. That body's going to get up and it's going to meet Jesus in the air. I'm thankful I know Jesus, because that would freak me out if I'm just sitting there, and a dead body gets up and just lifts up in the air. I tried to think of a visual of how I could do that, but the, the team said, no, we probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> it's just graves, coming out of the graves. And that's just the people that are, those are the people that, are, that fell asleep. When Christ comes, those are the ones that have passed. But what about those that are living? What about those that are alive? Look, I hope it's me. I hope it's you. I pray he comes today. Amen. I pray he comes tonight. So what does what does it say about those that are still alive? Let's read it. Verse 17. Verse 17 and 18, he says this. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. What does that look like? We shall be caught up together. Some of you have been dreaming like that as a kid. You'd be like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some one of these. I'm going to do a flip. Some of you are laughing. At, no, Jesus is serious. You just go up like this. <laughs> Caught up together with them. With Who's them? Who's them? all those that died before, all of them are up there and then we're going up there, the ones that are alive, us. That's the way Paul writes. Did you see that? Then we, we who are alive, Paul says we, he doesn't say, hey, someday some of those that are alive, he says we, that means he was walking out every day as if it could be tomorrow, guys. And if we are still alive, we will be meeting Christ in the air. The dead will rise first, this is why I said, I don't want you to be ignorant. This is what's going to happen. Jesus will come. He will command from heaven. The archangel will come with him. The trumpets will blast. The head will call and the body will follow. And all the dead that died before Christ will come and they'll rise and they'll meet him in the air. All the press is going to be going, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. And Jesus says, you know, every tongue, every nation, every tribe will confess. I'm telling you, if they see that, every person will be like, there's there's not going to be anybody going, I don't know if he's real or not. (laughs) Bodies are floating in the air. That man was dead for a thousand years and he just floated up to Jesus. He was God. He was God. And unfortunately, they're not meeting him in the air right now. They still can. They still have an opportunity. But those that are alive, those that are alive, you go right up. That's called the rapture. Right? You won't find that in the Bible either, by the way. It was a Greek word they used in this. In this, actually, in this verse right here, and, and I'm not even going to give you the Greek word because I'll mess it up. But it, that we translate it into rapture. Okay, but it's basically that we're here. It's this verse. We're here on earth. Christ comes. We hear the blast. The dead rise. The dead in Christ rise first, and then we rise up and meet them in the air with Jesus. That's what's known as the rapture. And we meet them in the air. Now, think about that for a second. I'm a visual guy. Anyone else visual? I mean, a lot of the movies that you watch. I mean, I love Kurt Cameron, but I, I don't know about some of these movies. A lot of the movies you watch about the rapture, right? They go up, and what stays? The clothes. No, it doesn't say that. That's just good movie. I, don't, I tried to find a scripture that say the clothes stay. You won't find one. Okay, but you know they added it to the movies. It's kind of freaky if you float up with. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just saying. Maybe, maybe though, since I'm a visual guy, maybe what you're wearing is your eternal suit. You might want to think about what you're wearing. Is what I'm saying. All right, that's all I'm saying. That's <laughs> just saying. You might want to think about what you're wearing. I'm going up my PJs. That's what I'm saying. I'm going right up my PJs. Don't be going out buying some crazy stuff. Don't say. But Pastor John said I need to wear some nice clothes every day because it could be the day. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm just kidding. But I do believe that God will give you some. He'll wrap you in his, his clothing. I don't know what it'll be. Maybe He takes what He, what we have, and He makes it better. I don't know. But does it really matter? I mean, think about it this way. Maybe you're having a conversation, maybe you're sitting down having a conversation with somebody. Prayerfully, hopefully, the conversation is about the Lord. But let's all be honest, we don't always have those conversations every day, every moment of every day. Sometimes we're just talking about life and things. But what if you're sitting there with somebody and you're having a conversation with them? And then it happens. Right? And you're looking outside the window. Maybe you're sitting having coffee. You're looking outside the window. Bodies just start going up. Like, oh, man. You might want to preach that gospel real quick right now. But you're sitting there with that person. Prayerfully, you both go. Prayerfully, the dead and Christ rise first, and then you're both sitting there, and you both go. Prayerfully, you both have a relationship with Jesus, and you both go up into the air. But what would happen if they didn't know Jesus? What would happen? You're talking to them. The bo- first, the body, the dead in Christ rise first. You're sitting there, and then the alive go up, and then you don't think that they're gonna th- that person sitting there going to go, oh man. You know, maybe I'm a little messed up. I am messed up. I'll admit I'm messed up. But I thought, you know, you know, some people like to fool Jesus, like they can fool Jesus. Or they can get in at the last minute. You know, Jesus won't be fooled. But, you know, my messed up mind thinks, you know, it'd be pretty funny if, like, people that were trying to fool Jesus, like, got halfway and then Jesus said, ha <laughs> I told you, I am messed up. God, that is not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. But it's not, it's not in there. Westridge Productions introduces the Rapture. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thankfully, God loves people and He's graceful and He wouldn't do that. But I'm just saying that, man, we're gonna get caught up. I pray it's. I think it'd be so awesome if we were worshiping Jesus and then all of a sudden we just go right up and meet Jesus right in the air. But the reality is, none of us know when. We just know God is faithful. And he says, look, this is going to happen. Paul says, and again, I'm just going to remain right here in four. He says, guys, don't be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant, not, not as in foolish or stupidity. I want you to know I'm teaching you this so you remember. And there's so much hope in this. I, I hope you feel encouraged. I hope you know that, look, uh, there's nothing better that we can do if we're having a bad day to, you know, just to say, hey, guys, Jesus has come and remember. I know it's a rough day. I know you're going through something really hard. I know it's very difficult. But remember, when he comes, we're going to go right up. All this trial, all this tribulation, all this evil, all this deception, all this lying, all this sickness, all this disease, guess what? It doesn't go up. It doesn't go. And eternity starts right there. In the middle of the air with Christ, it starts right there. It starts right there. You know, a lot of scholars and uh, Thessalonians, they would understand king. They would have understood how you, uh, obviously they would understand because they're coming out of a Roman dictatorship. So they understood kings and how you do that. But in, the, in, our, in our culture, when the king is coming or, the, or there's a mission for the king and and he's going to begin that mission, the saints or those that are under the king would would march him in. They would usher him in. And so a lot of scholars believe because Jesus is the King, that maybe possibly and this is again this isn't uh you won't find this necessarily in scriptures, it's just kind of more of historical and looking at order and how God made things, but a lot of people think that when we when we all go up the dead and us, we're ushering Christ into the final that this is where it all begins we're we're ushering in this moment that he promised this moment that he said that look he would judge enemy for good and and the devil would be gone forever he'd be locked up in eternal fire and a lot of people believe this is this is the saints these are the these are the church these are the warriors that are leading in the king for this final battle we're meeting him in the air and we're taking him to the final mission and there's really no war you know that right God's going to say it's over and it's going to be over. Just like he said, rise. He's going to say, devil, down. He's going down. He's God. It's miraculous, isn't it? Isn't it crazy? It's pretty amazing that our fleshly bodies that we abuse, all of us have. These things are... They're also the temple that held the Holy Spirit. They're holy. They're righteous to God. He cares not only about your spirit, but he cares about this tent that we live in. So much so that he'll resurrect it from the dead and he'll make it glorious. We'll all be like Steven Seagal in heaven. I don't want to be like Steven Seagal. I'm just kidding. Maybe the Hulk. That'd be cool. That'd be fun. I'm just kidding. But he raises these bodies up. I don't know. How, do you know how he does it? Do you care how he does it? Or do we just care that he's the Lord and I'm following? And he said, I'm coming again. I believe he's coming again. I know he's coming again. I hope you have hope. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, look, I, I hope this encourages you that God loves you, that he cares about you. That's why we're in this window is to preach to gospel so that you know this amazing God that we serve, that he doesn't forget your name, he doesn't forget who you are, he doesn't even forget this body that you live in. He'll take care of that too. And he died so he could save you. He died so you could spend the rest of eternity with him. He died so you don't have to die. And if you're here today and you haven't made that decision, now's the day, now's the time. Don't wait till the horn of it be too late. Don't wait till it's the last minute. God's here for you right here, right now. So now what? So now what? Paul says, how do I live knowing all of this stuff? Am I supposed to live in fear? No, absolutely not. There's not, no fear in this. There's just hope. There's just joy. Look, regardless of what we go through, I'm never going to die. Even if they make it literally rough, and remember, the Thessalonians are being persecuted and beat and hurt, just like Paul was. Even amongst that, look, you will never die. Even if they say they kill you, you will never die. Even if they totally do something terrible to your body, guess what? It will all come back together. There's nothing the enemy can do that will be, that will conquer what God says. You're victorious. There's hope in Christ. There's hope. Look, there's more. There's so much more. This is just a vapor is what the scripture says. This earth that we live on, this life that we live, however long it is, it's just a vapor compared to eternity. It's just a vapor. And God has so much that he's going to do in each of us. I can't wait. Not only I love that we get to celebrate the presence of God together every Sunday, but I cannot wait till we get to be in the presence of God every single second of every day to see the face of Christ every moment of every day. I want to know what he looks like. Don't you? I want to see his face. I want to see him. I want to be in his presence. And we are in his presence now. But there's going to be something special about his kingdom, heaven. There's something so special. So how do we live in the now? How do we, how do we take all this and live today? He definitely doesn't want you distracted. He doesn't want you focused on Being distracted from the gospel. Jesus said, Here's what I want you to do: go, go, go make disciples. That's what Paul was doing. Go make disciples. But don't be ignorant, no, this is gonna happen, but continue the mission because we only have a window that's this long. Until Christ returns, we have an opportunity to share the gospel with as many people as we can. At the end of the day, none of this stuff that you see, feel, touch, or smell goes with you. Only people go with you. And you have a limited time until Christ returns, until that big trumpet blast goes, we have a limited time to share this amazing good news, the gospel, the life of Christ. We can share that with as many people as we can. And it's the only thing that you have that's eternal. It's the only seed that will not perish. This word of God, this life, this relationship we have with Christ, Jesus says, look, take it to the end of the world. Take it to as many people as you can. So Paul says, look, you stay focused on that. Look, I know that the second coming is coming and I know we need to know what those moments are. We should know what those seasons are. But even Paul saying, look, there's evil all around me. You'll see that next week. We'll talk about it next week. Look, there's, he, he even said, look, all of these things are happening, which are pointing to the coming of Christ. So we know he's coming. We rejoice in his coming. We're happy. We're joyful. We can't wait for the moment. And he was living every day as if it's tomorrow, but he never stopped preaching the gospel ever. He never stopped preaching the gospel, even in shackles and chains. He wrote letters to churches. He wrote letters to people. He encouraged people. He preached to the governors. He preached to the guards. He never stopped. And 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 5, verse 2, here's what he says about living this out now. He says, listen... You will never know. He says, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. You're not going to know the day, the time, or the hour. And if someone tells you it's happening this day and this time, you can say, no, thank you. It comes as a thief. How many of you plan for a thief to come in your house and steal from you? None of you. Well, he's going to come on February. No, you're not going to know. The hyperbole or the, the written part here is in the, the urgency, the suddenness, the, the unexpectedness of it. Not in, the, not in the trauma from a thief. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the unexpectedness of it, the, the urgency that you're going to wake up and go, ah! That's going to be the coming, like a thief in the night. We certainly should look around and see, look, it's coming soon. I believe it's coming soon. So did Paul. Regardless of when it comes, it will come. Regardless of when it comes, we'll live for Christ. Regardless of when and what day and what hour and what time and what season. We want to be faithful to God. And here's what Paul says. So you can look at verse 6 and 7 when you get home, because it talks about look, we, we don't live like an unbeliever. We don't live, Paul's writing in Thessalonians, we don't live like the Gentiles, we don't live like they do. We're never gonna die. You have salvation. Christ has given you salvation. He's given you righteousness. He's given you holiness. He's given you, he's given you sonship and daughtership. There's a different way that we live that they don't live in. And we don't want to live that way. And you shouldn't live that way. Stay sober. Stay vigilant. Stay focused on the mandate. Stay focused on your relationship and spreading this gospel. He will come and he will come and get us. But until then, this is how you live. He gives us 11 great, great things. Let me just give them to you. He says, first of all, First Thessalonians 5.12, I'm just going to give you these. You can read them later. He says, honor your spiritual authority. I'm not saying that because I want you to honor me. I'm just saying, look, be honored. I'm so thankful Paul wrote these things. I'm so thankful for the men. I just got a text from my friend today this morning. He said, go get him, John. And I know what he's saying. He's my friend. I, I love the encouragement. I love those texts. I love those letters. I love those moments. Honor those that are feeding you. Honor those that are helping you. Honor those that are encouraging you. Honor those that are helping you flourish in your faith. Then he says this, be at peace with one another. Verse 13, be at peace with one another. Let's not live in anger and bitterness and frustration. That's how they live. We don't live that way. We live at peace with one another. Even if they hate us, we can still live in peace. Even if they're against us, you can still live at peace. Then in verse fourteen, it says you need to warn and encourage. Look, let's read fourteen with together. He says, "Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. How many of you are unruly? Don't put that hand up there. Come on." All of us were unruly. All of us needed the gospel. All of us had fallen short of the glory of God. All of us needed somebody to warn us, to give us the truth, to tell us what, what life really is all about. We all needed the abundant life of Christ. We all needed the gospel. And he's saying, look, you have hope now. You've received Christ's salvation. You have a relationship with God. Now you need to warn others. There's others that are just like you, that are being deceived and are away from God. He says, look, warn them, tell them. Share the gospel with them. Uphold the weak, he says. Comfort the faint-hearted. Be patient with all. I love that part. Be patient with all. Was God patient with you? If you're not sure, just ask him. He'll tell you. He was patient. He was patient. Long-suffering is the way he describes it in the New King James. Long-suffering. He waited. He was patient. He was graceful. He was kind. He was gentle, loving. And that's what he says. So comfort those that are broken in our spirit. Comfort those that are really hurting. Comfort your friends that, whatever, maybe they have loss or grief. Maybe they're just down in the dumps. Comfort them. Show the love of Christ to them. I love it that Jesus spent a lot of time going up to people that were, that had, uh, remember the lady that had the, uh, she was like bleeding out all the time. She was struggling. And he had the patience to come up to her to say, do you want to be healed? Or how about the woman at the well? Struggling with relationships. And wrong, totally, she was totally wrong in the ways that she was living out relationships. But Jesus came up to her and said, you're going to find out what true worship's all about today. See, you can do that. I can do that. You know people that are hurting. You know know how they're hurting. Be patient with them. Comfort them. Uphold them. He goes on to say this. So, honor your spiritual authority. Be at peace with one another. Warn and encourage one another. And then how about this one? No one render evil for evil. Even if someone's doing evil to you, don't give him evil back. It says, pursue what is good for you and others. Verse 15. Don't render evil for evil, but always pursue good for you and for others. I've said this many times. It's not that you're a doormat, it's just that you live differently. You live differently. Then I love these next couple of verses. You know, Jesus and Paul are some of the best prayers and worders in the scripture. When you read the the prayers of Jesus, they're quick and powerful. Quick and powerful. Pick up your bed and walk. Easy. Paul says this, rejoice always or always be joyful. Those are some powerful words, just three words. Always be joyful. Can that change your life? If you're not joyful today and it says always be joyful, what do we do? Look, I know we're fleshly and we're people and look, we all can get attuned sometimes, but that's where you need the scripture. That's where you need the Holy Spirit. That's where we need one another to lift each other up. Always be joyful. Watch this. Pray without ceasing or never stop praying. And this isn't some holy jargon that you have to sit in a closet or in a prayer room. Now you can do that. So please hear me. I'm not saying one's better than the other. All I'm saying is you can pray to God at any time, in any way, in any form, in any place. And it could be any length of time. It could be short, it could be long, it could be medium. God's okay. But don't stop praying. If you're having a bad day, just tell God, I'm having a bad day, Lord. Can you give me your joy? Because I don't have it right now. Then he says, watch this, and I love this. This this was mind-blowing for me. Not years ago, but... Literally, last week as I'm reading it to you, as I'm getting ready for the message, watch this. And everything give thanks. Now, verse 18. Now, watch what it says. This is what it says in the New King James. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for Christ Jesus in you. Notice it just doesn't say, and everything give thanks, but it tells you, have you ever asked God, what's the will of God for my life? Well, here's, here you go. Here's the will of God. Find something to be thankful for. We are a people of entitlement, and we need to stop. Stop complaining because you don't have something and start giving thanks for what you do have. Because God will only give you more if you're faithful with what you're... And this isn't about materialistic collection, having more than somebody else. This is about you having a heart of thankfulness and gratefulness. Because God can't use you in a relationship if you're not thankful for the relationship. If we're just going to complain and gossip about them, God's not going to give you another one because what are you going to do? Repeat the pattern. But if you can find something to be thankful about that person, I'm thankful for her and I'm thankful for him because this is what I love about them. I'm thankful for what they mean to me. The will of God for your life in Christ Jesus is to find something to be thankful for. If you're not thankful, find something. I promise you, you can find something to be thankful for. Be thankful that your eyes open today because it's not a promise that you're going to have tomorrow. Be thankful that you have... You woke up today. You think, look, it's so easy to find something to be thankful for, but we become a culture that's so easy to find something to complain about. The will of God for you, listen to the scriptures, the will of God for you, in Christ Jesus, for you is to give thanks in everything. We should be a thankful people. Don't quench the Spirit, is verse 19. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of you. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Look, He's the Lord. If we're followers, we don't want to tell the Lord to stop. If we're followers, we don't want to say, "I don't want to hear that, Lord." Don't quench the Spirit. Let Him be the Lord. When you hear God's voice, guess who you're hearing? The Holy Spirit. You're hearing the Holy Spirit. Now there are times when Jesus speaks from heaven, so I don't want to. Neg- if you have that moment, I'm jealous. I'm just telling you. But Paul had that moment. Jesus spoke from heaven. And he heard it. There's audible voices from heaven, and that, that's Jesus. But there, most of the time when you hear God, it's the Holy Spirit. Because he lives in you. He's right here. He's guiding you into what? All all truth. Which means if he's guiding you into truth, what does it mean? You're probably veering away. And he's bringing you back to what the truth is. Now, not all the time, but the, the heart of the Holy Spirit is to give truth, give truth, give truth. Also realize the Holy Spirit always gives glory to who? The son, not the physical son, Jesus, always gives glory to Jesus. And so when you're hearing God, you're hearing the Holy Spirit. When you're convicted, guess who's convicting you? The Holy Spirit. And that's a good thing, by the way. It's not negative. It's not bad. The conviction is to bless you and to protect you, to keep you away from harm, to prosper you, to bless you. Conviction is a great thing. That's the Holy Spirit. So don't quench the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Don't despise prophecies. Don't despise prophecies. What's prophecy? Prophecy is simply encouragement. It's affirming what God's doing in you. Somebody's speaking life over you. Someone's speaking God's best for you. But it's already affirming what God's doing in you. You already understand. You've already started to understand this is what God's doing, but they're affirming. And, you know, sometimes it could be earth-shattering, but usually prophecy is encouraging, it's uplifting, it's blessing. Don't despise prophecy. Don't despise somebody speaking the word over you. Don't despise somebody pushing you into more of God. Don't despise someone saying increase and abound like we learned last week. Don't despise somebody blessing you and and speaking a word over you. And then the next question may be, well, how do I know? Well, that's what number 10 says. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Prophecy is a great thing, especially when it's from God. And I believe we've got some of the best, best, best people and and. Prayer teams and altar teams, kingdom life teams, we've got some of the best. And I I believe they've spoken many prophecies over many of you. Look, but I also understand we're men. I've gotten bad prophecies. Anyone else got bad prophecies? Prophecies should be encouraging. If they're condemning, they're not prophecy. That's why it says, test all things. Test all things and hold on to what's good. Well, guess what? There's there's the spirit of god and there's the spirit of evil so we're to test all things but don't despise prophecy especially if it's from god you hang on to it you anchor on it you hang on to that word write it down put it somewhere or maybe it's, you're just you've heard it before but then you come up here for prayer and someone reminds you look hang on to that finally abstain from every evil is what paul says So how do we live in this world? We honor spiritual authority. We be at peace with one another. We warn and encourage others. We make sure we don't render evil for evil, but we pursue what is good for you and for others. We're always joyful. We never stop praying. And in everything, we give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ and you. We don't quench the spirit. We don't despise prophecies. We test all things. We hold on to what's good. We abstain from every evil. That's what Paul says, Say, man. That's how, that's how you live until he comes. That's how you live until he comes. I'm so thankful he makes it practical, simple, well, simple and understanding. But that's for you, church. He's coming again. Do you believe it? Well, let's stand. Let's stand to our feet. It's my worship team here. We're in trouble. They're coming. They're coming. I'm just kidding. Let's pray. Let's pray. This song is going to mean a lot more now that you know the word. You're going to love singing this song, but let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for the church. I thank you for every brother and sister that's here. I thank you for each person that's here. God, I pray if there's anybody in this room that hasn't received you, but they heard this, mess, they heard this message or they heard right out of your word, and they recognize they need you. They recognize there's hope that they don't have right now. That if they were to perish today, they wouldn't know what eternity looks like. And Lord, this isn't a message to scare them or fear them. This is a message of hope. This is a message of life. This is a message that only Jesus Christ came to give. There's no other God. He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And today, if you need to receive Jesus, every eye closed. No one's looking around. This is between you and God. If you need to receive Jesus, or maybe you need to come back to Jesus would you just lift your hand? Put it up there. Come on. Be brave. I see it. Come on. Anyone else? You're not alone. Put your hand up there. I need Jesus today. I'm giving my life. Today's the day of salvation for me. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, I just thank you for all these decisions, all these hands. Right there in your own words to say, Jesus, I'm making you Lord of my life. Forgive me. I repent of my sins. I'm, I'm sorry I waited this long, but I'm here now. And I'll follow you for all of my days. Lord, I look forward to the day that you come again. God, I've got a new hope. I've got a fresh insight. and Lord, thank you that your word changed me today. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said amen. Amen. Let's worship together. And uh, look, I I love this song. And this is going to bring whole new insight because you just read the scripture. Now you're going to sing the scripture. All right, let's worship together.